Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as You Were Expecting Mork from Ork and Spider-Man, Either Him or Mork from Ork. <laughs> Here to provide analysis for those lines and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I was not having a great day, but Spider-Man always cheers me up, so I'm doing much better. And this this is a Mork and Mindy uh, reference, right, James B.? Correct. It could be a it could be a Happy Days reference. Oh, really? That's leading into Mork and Mindy. It could be either one because Mork starts on Happy Days, and then he goes over really? and gets his own show. Yeah. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, he visits Fonzie. So. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you for your knowledge base on that, James B. <laughs> but I'm ready. I'm ready for our first amazing today. Okay, ask me how I'm doing. Oh, James B, how are you doing? I think my voice is getting slightly better every podcast. If you listen to like 30 in a row now at this point, I'm almost, I'm so close to being almost well. It's amazing. Gradual improvement. That's right. So, and speaking of improvements, we're now going to get back to the Amazing Spider-Man books. And from February of 1980, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 201 Manhunt by Marv Wolfman, Keith Pollard, and Jim Mooney. Spidey and the Punisher are brawling with some baddies. When the Punisher shoots Spidey, thankfully, it's a mercy bullet. And a woozy Spidey awakes sometime later and stumbles home. All right, Eddie. (laughs) How exactly do mercy bullets work? Uh, I just love talking about bullets and guns so much in Uh, Spider-Man. The bullet is like not a bullet. It's some kind of sedative that just knocks the person out but doesn't kill them, right? You think that you get <sighs> shot by a... Is it a dart, then? <laughs> it functions the same as a bullet. I mean, the Punisher's guns don't look any different from normal guns. So he's shooting, like, drugs into people? As a, I thought they were, like, rubberized bullets that, like, no, you get, that you get shot in the head you get, like, a concussion from it or something. Uh, you think it's... No, you he, think, he blasts him, Spidey in the stomach and knocks Spidey out. He falls uh, to the ground. So I was like, hold, Okay, oh. hold on. So he, he falls to the ground? Yeah. Because he's getting shot with a dart or because he's getting shot with like something really heavy? Like what is this Mercy Bullet's impact? <laughs> These are things I I just, I don't right. know. All you right. can see it. You can see a casing coming off the, the gun while it's being fired. Oh. Uh, I guess. It's like a BB gun bullet? Worst, worst idea ever, Punisher. <laughs> yeah, they, well, I, I don't think they're darts. I don't think they're no. drugs. I think they're supposed to be like, I mean. They're uh, drugs. They're definitely sedatives. Really? I am sure he has said this before. Yes. That I feel confident about. All right. I'm going to get Kevin Ewing on this job. So <laughs> Yeah, Kevin will vindicate me. Actually, Kevin's listening to this probably. Kevin, I'm not even going to email you. Just could you please... Send me a tweet about how Mercy Bullets work. All right, go ahead and continue with your right. story. Uh, never forgetting to visit his dear aunt, Peter heads over to Restwell Nursing Home. Uh, when Joe Robbie also happens to stop by, Joe's back in the publishing game and off to see J. Jonah, who's still hospitalized after a nervous breakdown. At the hospital, J. Jonah greets Joe and Marla in typical fashion. Filthy traitor! You get out of here! I never want to see either of you again! Get out! Get out! We then see J. Jonah in a therapy session in which he tells of how he did not remove Spider-Man's mask in the alley. So he didn't remove the mask. 
What a what a dumb aspect of that story. At least they address it. It's it's true. It's finally addressed. I found it even more interesting in J. Jonah's recollection of the story. He refers to a cop in the alley as this big ugly cop standing in the alleyway who who didn't see me. And I, I just would not think Jay Jonah would refer to police in such a manner. He's, you know, so against vigilantes like Spider-Man and such. It's a harsh, harsh way to describe describe them. But yeah, I've, I've got an issue in with the next book too. There's a way that Spider-Man references something like that too. Maybe you know, just hmm. interesting writing back in maybe 1980 February. So. 1980. Okay. Well, later Barney Bushkin has Peter team up with. April, a reporter from the Globe, to head to the courthouse to cover the trail of Mr. Jacoby. Along the way, they bump into MJ, who has a go at April. Annoyed, Peter takes the cab and leaves April behind. James B., old flame meets new flame? Yeah, Eddie, by the way, please call April, April May. That's her name. It's <laughs> ah, a, yes, sir. It's a clever calendar-sounding name. Yes, MJ seems to think that this is going to be Peter's uh, future flame. You know, Peter and her don't seem to get along, but this is how it started off with Gwen. They kind of hated each other too, right? Yeah, he's been very pugnacious with all the female characters in Spider-Man as of late. Eddie, let me do one line from the summary. That sounds good. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Punisher intends to avenge his friend Mehmet, who has saved the Punisher, but was later killed by Jacoby. He also has a suspicion about Peter Parker that he will investigate. Eddie, the Punisher goes through Peter's room and finds a Spidey Tracer. You know, they're in the shape of a spider. So if you're not sure who it belongs to, I know you really like that about them. I, I know you really like that about them. This is, he should, he should make it like a Punisher emblem. So that it really throws off the trail. He's like, hey, why's this guy got tracers that are shaped like my my little skull at my chest. It, uh, it should be the Kingpin's like logo in the back. It should say like uh, created by the Magia or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. So right. Just... Please return to Shield headquarters at this address. Oh. <laughs> oh well, everyone knows where Shield headquarters is, so you don't even have to put the address on there. That's right. Uh, well, back at the courthouse with a flurry of bullets, a couple of armored cars end up freeing Jacoby and get away from Spidey and the Punisher. Peter returns home to find the Punisher is on his lumpy couch pointing a gun at him. Yeah, Peter's spider sense. He's outside the door, Eddie, and it goes off. And he's like, oh, danger. And then he just opens the door and walks in. <laughs> yeah, he should have, like, crawled around on the other side of the building and looked through the window or something. Right. Like, it, it couldn't be more, like, alarming. And he's like, I'm just going to walk in with as Peter Parker, too, on top of that. <laughs> Maybe he wouldn't get shot immediately because he would be perceived as without being a threat. But I could be carrying. It could be all sorts of other th- people who've been in Peter's apartment recently. Uh, it should also be noted here that Barney Bushkin has a strange and ominous phone call to his boss, KJ, about Peter Parker, um, in which he kind of says uh, uh, there's more to Peter Parker than what we think or something like that. I was kind of hung up on the fact that he goes... Meet KJ. Nobody ever meets KJ ever. And then Peter says, sure sounds like a weird guy. The Howard Hughes of the newspaper set. And then they never, he just goes, uh, um, uh, Peter, yeah, I'm glad to sign. And he skips that whole conversation. And I'm thinking, yeah. and I'm thinking, you're thinking like something suspicious about KJ. I'm thinking KJ is a woman. 
because he Ooh. goes, sounds like a weird guy, the Howard Hughes, and he never like corrects him at all. Oh. I'm like, KJ's a girl. Going to be a girl. This is progressive time, right? <laughs> That's what it should be. Yeah, it's going to be. It's a girl in 1980. And if I'm <laughs> wrong, I'm wrong, but whatever. Well, James B., I'm ready to conclude this uh, story with Punisher. Tell me about the next one. Sure. Well, the next one's from March of 1980. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 202, one for those long gone. Written by Marv Wolfman, illustrated by Keith Pollard and Jim Mooney. Uh, the Punisher is in Peter's home rifling through his possessions and accusing him of working for Jacoby. Peter explains he has a deal with Spidey and the Punisher abruptly departs never to return again. How could a person going through Peter's possessions not come across some sort of Spider-Man paraphernalia? Well, I mean, he finds the one The one tracer. But like a chemical lab, you know, where he's making his webbing. We know he's got test tubes and such. And like Peter is not, you know, super careful. I think he has a dark room also in his apartment where he develops his photographs. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I Jeez. also wish that they had explained it to us. I would have accepted one of their lame explanations where Peter said, good thing I moved all this stuff to the location at such and such. The you know, right. I rented good. out the old Acme Warehouse to put all my stuff there. Had after my, I got a great deal. Had my spare spider suit and the laundromat down the street. So Yeah, exactly. But, discovered. Right, right. It's hard so. to believe he would only have one Spider-Man outfit. That thing must get really stinky. <laughs> Well, uh, J. Jonah has escaped from the psychiatric hospital, and as he runs into the street, he bumps his head in an alley. A shadowy figure stands over him. Yeah, Eddie, when I was reading this book and I was putting my notes into your summary, you just cut out like an—I was like, what happened here? Did you delete something? You cut out a whole bunch of stuff in the middle that was uh, I felt worth mentioning. Okay. Um, So I'm going to take some time now. One of them is— Spider-Man is very non-heroic to greasy Ralph Robbins in his time of need. Do you, do you recall this section at all? He, he like, accosts him for information, he, right? He's yeah. been doing this. He's been doing this repeatedly. I, I guess I don't mention it too often, but he's been getting more and more rough in his, gathering information from your run-of-the-mill thugs. Yeah, so what he does is... The guy says, Spider-Man, I was attacked by the Punisher. I'm telling the truth. He slammed me for some info and took off. I didn't do nothing. And Spider-Man's response is, sure, Ralphie boy, you're born innocent, a true wide-eyed hick from Alabama. Remind me to start feeling sorry for you once I stop laughing. And he just swings away. I'm like, that's just pretty rude. So um, other things that bothered me about this section here is, you know, Spider-Man swings right into the Punisher's car while the Punisher is sitting in traffic. I thought that was kind of... (laughs) unusual that this Punisher is like sitting in traffic. You don't hear, you know, you don't, he did, this Punisher did pull a gun on him, probably with a mercy bullet, but at least he had a gun out. And then Eddie, you cut the entire section out where Joe Robbie gets offered Jonah's job. Now you have to, these all happened before the sequence you just brought up. Um, but I believe he's up, you're at the bugle. So the next scene yeah. it says like the daily bugle and Peter's there with uh glory grant who used to be his neighbor, and and Joe Robbie. Now, remember, Peter doesn't work for the Bugle. Yes, correct. He's just hanging out. <laughs> He's Which just like, I think is a conflict of interest also. Like, uh, he could be gathering scoops at the Bugle sure. for the Globe. Anyways. It, 
And he goes and he, he's, they're talking about this and they're having this conversation that said like, I, the board of directors asked me to come back to a place, Jonah's publisher. And he's like, yes. oh, you're kidding. Are you interested? And he goes, I don't know. It's blasted tempting to finally see this paper take off. But, and then he opens the door and Jonah is hiding in a maintenance closet. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, by nothing, you traitor. I knew it all along. You're out to get me. And I mean, he just goes on and on. It's just great Jonah ranting that, you know, you're crazy. You're jealous of me. And then he runs away gets in the elevator, and he takes off, and then he gets clunked on the head by the guy. And I know right. you're trying to keep our summary short, but true. I, I just had a lot of sec- things there that you didn't cover, so I wanted to go back and, and fill them in. Now you can kind of wrap this story up. Okay, so much in this book. Uh, at the Globe, April May refuses to work with Peter on the Punisher slash Jacoby story. Uh, on her own, she decides to go undercover, delivering drugs in search of the Jacoby story, while Spidey... And the Punisher team up and rough up some Jacoby goons to get more information. April has quickly worked her way to the top, uh, to Jacoby, and just as things look bad for her, Spidey and Punisher show up. As Jacoby tries to run, he's hit by one of his own men trying to speed away in a car. Mehmet is avenged. Yeah. Mercy bullets again, by the way. <laughs> All over the fight. He try- He does Sedatives. switch... He, he does see him switch the switch off the mercy bullets just before he tries to shoot Jacob. Yes. Spider Man gets involved because you know, goodness gracious, you're going to shoot the villain. He's going to kill the crime boss who is, yeah. It's a big panel too, clank, and then flip. Why'd you do that? Oh, jeez. I think I saw you. I saw you flip the safety <laughs> off and switch to real. To you know those guns that have the the real bullets and then mercy bullets. Right. The, the bull switch. You saw him flip it. I was way more upset about the panel after that where Jacoby is running away. Now, keep in mind, Spider-Man and the Punisher are in the room with him, and he runs away, and the next panel, he's outside. (laughs) Like, how does he get away from both of them that quickly, let alone in the middle of the street where he then dies by his own driver in a car? Uh, Such a rapid ending to the battle. Yeah, it's... uh... He's the room he's in. To be fair, is like a is the um, isn't a room. It's got like boxes and crates and stuff in there. So he's probably like next to a loading dock. He is a a portly gray haired man two, though. Two eighty. Weighs two eighty. Two eighty. Well, there you go. Um, that ends this story. They're, they're, the two part is over. This was one of the last books I was trying to collect back in the day when I was trying to collect the. Uh, the run of Spider-Man's that I was going from like 150 to 400. Uh, this was one of the final, final, I never got 210, um, but I oh, never, really? but I got 201 and 202. The problem is this, the stupid Punisher in, raised up the cost of this book. So it took me a little while to kind of get this oh. one. So I was always hunting down 201, 202 and 210. And then eventually I got these both and uh, I still read them online. So there you go. <laughs> Another book I read online is from April of 1980. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 203, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bedazzled. Written by Marv Wolfman with Keith Pollard and Mike Esposito. Also, some help from friends. That's what it says. <laughs> okay. Uh, out for a midnight swing, Spidey spies Dazzler with her long hair and kiss makeup paired with her roller skates and a disco ball. She's skating away from what appears to be a wispy entity chasing her. Uh, Spidey saves her, but she blasts him with her music-powered disco ball and disappears. Uh, I think the guy walking at street level, they're on top of a building, 
who has a boombox blasting music, powered up Dazzler's disco ball, and that allowed her to blast Spider-Man. Do you agree with this, James B.? Yeah, it's right in the book. It's exactly what happened. <laughs> but it seems so improbable. A disco ball that functions off the power of sound? <laughs> I mean, I see the music notes going into the disco ball. <laughs> I think it's like her being powered off. I think herself, she's being powered by the music. It's it's going straight into the disco ball, though. They're, and, they're, yeah. they're working out the character. It's early. They're, she's only been around. She came out in the... She's created in the X-Men comics. She's only been about a yes. little bit. She's going to have her own book soon. And uh, boy, there's a lot of things to talk about the Dazzler. You know what? Let me, I'll jump in right here real quick. We'll do a, a very fast All right, version. let's hear it. Do you know our good friends over at the Multiverse of Badness? Yes, yes. They have a episode about, um, about Night Cat. This was a post-2000 comic book that came out uh called Nightcat, which they tried to make a real-life Dazzler-type character. They wrote a comic for a musician who was also a superhero, and they hired okay. an actress who was actually a singer-actress to portray the character. The plan was going to have like a real person who could really be portraying the role. They only made oh. one comic. They made one album. It didn't really go anywhere. Uh, the actress really didn't do anything else. I think she appeared in like a Joey Buttafuoco, uh MTV video for one of his songs as her role. And then just kind of petered out. But the Dazzler, they tried to take the Dazzler and make like a real thing out of it. But she, She's too much of a compromise for me. She has, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. This is like Kiss-themed makeup over her eyes. And then long hair, very long hair. And then she's like bedazzled with, you know, disco ball sequence. And she has roller skates. It's like disco meets, you know, Kiss at the time. Uh, Eddie, can we too discuss much. that she almost killed Spider-Man? Because she blasted him off the building, and he had to save himself with a web. Yeah, and at the time of the story, she's... I think. She's she definitely po- not possessed. She's not possessed right now, so she just literally blasts Spider-Man off yeah. the building. He does his, like, oh, I'll try to save myself, but, like, right. he, could, he could have just been killed. I guess so. That's true. I I would assume Spider-Man could handle it. Well... But, but, she, but her thought was, it's a, like... It's a bold assumption. <laughs> yeah, if you're her, she's like, I'm just going to blast you off the building, you know, get out of here. Yeah. Just saying kind of risky for him. Okay. (laughs) Well, back at Peter's apartment, Harry and Flash uh, stop by uh, so that they can all go out and see Star Trek with Peter. Uh, But the show is interrupted as Dazzler tears the movie screen with Lightmaster in pursuit. Kind of a corny sequence there when some of the patrons watching the movie are like, oh, there's great special effects. And they're like, oh, no, this is real dummy. And they're like, oh, it's like, I can't tell these days. Like, they're making all these, like, corny, like... Yeah, yeah not, not I quite. like the blatant Star Trek placement in this too. It says Star Trek a bunch of times, and it's like a big depiction, a half-page depiction of the movie theater yeah. with William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy on it. Yeah. Not not the best Star Trek movie either. The first one, <laughs> no, so, that is certain. Eddie Lightmaster, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man Twenty. Uh, I don't really remember I, him that much. I like Lightmaster. We had a large debate about how Lightmaster moved. I. I, he moves at the speed of light. I enjoyed him actually as a fairly as a very small time villain. So I was not sad to see him come back. Um, okay, well, you can then do a huge paragraph now about how amazing Lightmaster is, and I'll okay, I'll try to I'll plan some kind of uh, some kind of comments about that. Go ahead. <laughs> well, Spidey swings into action, and although he uh, gives Lightmaster a good kick in the jaw. <laughs> proceeds to get crashed by light symbols and swatted with a light swatter. 
The Lightmaster then departs with Dazzler and hooks her up to a machine that will allow him to feed off her powers, making him much stronger. Uh, Spidey shows up, and when the machine explodes, Spidey manages to cocoon Dazzler and himself uh, in to protect them. Unfortunately, Dazzler has become possessed by Lightmaster, and she attacks Spidey. Yeah, This was a surprise to me that Dazzler, except for this fight with Lightmaster and trying to kill Spider-Man, uh, <laughs> is basically possessed the whole book. He, he, She's possessed, and Spider-Man keeps going to her aid, and she's always possessed, like, this whole book. Yeah. And... That reminded me, um, Eddie, that, you know, there's a character in the MCU that gets possessed for, like, essentially, like, the entire movie, so much that the actor complained to uh, the Marvel Universe and said, like, listen, I don't want to do this role anymore because my characters, and they're like, no, no, we've got a plan. They're like, well, you made my character just possess the entire movie, and it was super annoying, and uh, then they come back later and do a better job, but it was a really rough time for this actor. Um, So, Eddie, we're going to play a game called... uh, Does Eddie remember this character from the MCU? So, Eddie, we played this game two episodes ago. Oh, my. And we were trying to find out about, spoiler for those who didn't listen to 149, but who, about Bill Foster. You remember what, what movie he was yeah. in? And you were like, I hadn't, you hadn't actually oh, yeah. seen the movie, so you were off the hook. So yeah. here you go. So you're looking for, a, uh, you can give me the character or the actor, I suppose, who uh, complained to uh, Kevin Feige in the MCU that they didn't want to do this role anymore because they were disappointed that their character was literally just possessed for the entirety of a movie, and they and you know they were really upset about it. Uh, this is is this something? It, uh, I feel like this is something in the Thor movies. Okay, uh, maybe, and uh, it's not Valkyrie. <laughs> Is it? No. Uh, uh, is this something to do with Loki? Is it Loki? Loki is involved in this, yes. Oh, man. I can't remember who he possesses, though. <laughs> uh, can someone in the audience just yell at the... <laughs> yell at your podcast right now? <laughs> just say it out loud, who Loki possesses. I'm glad the listeners enjoy this. <laughs> I would say... I bet you half the listeners are yelling right now at the podcast, and the other half are thinking it in their head and not yelling it, but... <laughs> I don't know, James. All right. Uh, the correct answer is, this is Hawkeye that gets possessed. Oh. The actor is the, at the time of this recording, um, it's just about Jeremy Renner, who's actually at the time of this recording um, in the hospital, oh, having having suffered a, an accident, uh, like a, a snowplow accident. And uh, yeah, he was really upset. He says, I don't want to do this anymore. And they said, we'll take care of you. And then they... They gave him some good roles in the future. And, of course, he ends up getting his own MCU uh, Disney Plus right. show as well. But he was really upset. And if you go, do watch that, he does get possessed pretty quickly. And he's basically just a bad guy for nearly the entire entire movie there. That's uh, The Avengers, by the way. Oh, wow. Well. So, thanks for listening to Does Eddie Remember This Character from the MCU? Well, Dazzler is possessed. And... Uh, there's a long battle that ensues over many city blocks. Spidey realizes he's outclassed and webs Dazzler's face and goes home and takes a nap. <laughs> Ten hours later, Peter sells the globe some pictures, visits Aunt May, teaches a chem class, and finds Dazzler again. It's crazy that he did all that, but uh, why don't you finish this up? He webs Dazzler up and hooks her up to the remnants of the machine Lightmaster built, 
with a shack <laughs> the machine freeze dazzler of Lightmaster's possession. And that's the end. Uh, I'd say it's pretty dangerous hooking Dazzler up to a partially destroyed machine that he knows nothing about, but uh, she's works possessed. out. Yeah, she's possessed. She tried to kill him. All these <laughs> negative things here. Eddie, there were multiple references in books 202 and 203. Did you notice either one of them? It is this. I I got bad news, James B. I've read ahead a little bit, and the vague illusions only get more disturbing, in it's, my opinion. It's, but literally, she's like, "Oh, I owe it all to you. How can I ever repay you?" And he's like, "Don't worry, beautiful. I have a strong hunch we'll figure out something." I'm like, "That's like, oh man." Like she didn't say like, "Ooh, how can I ever repay you? Let me know." Right. Like, however, totally Eddie, weakened state. Right. However, if you are looking for that kind of comment. You can get that comment in 202 when April May is trying to work her way up to Mr. Jacoby. She shows up in his place and he's like, here's the girl that did real good today. And he's yes. like, always looking for new talent. And he's like, you're too much of a looker to be wasted on deliveries. And she goes, I'm willing to do anything, Mr. Jacoby. <laughs> and he says, I bet you are, babe. You know, I could use a chick like you here with Ugh. me. Like, this is all this, but back-to-back books, right? Right. I got bad news, James B. It gets much worse. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Eddie, let's uh, let's get in our sponsor real quick. Uh, yes, let's do that. Eddie, you may have heard of Mercy Bullets, a safe way to shoot people. While that same technology has been applied to other parts of your life to make things safer, Frank Castle introduced an entire line of affordable, everyday Mercy products. Now, Eddie, get this. For a yearly membership of $129, you'll have access to the exclusive catalog, which will give you opportunities to have a safer life, a healthier life, just a happier life for everyone in your family. Uh, that seems to be a good product. That's right. Only members can indulge in Mercy peanut butter cups. They're just like Reese's peanut butter cups, Eddie, but there's no chocolate, which means less calories. There's also Mercy Soda, a watered-down version of soda with 80% water. But listen, it's great for cavity prevention and weight loss. You're probably wondering more about those items like the Mercy Bullets. Well, if you're a member of this club, you can get access to Mercy Forks. These exclusive items are safer than forks because the tips at the end have little spoons built into them. Who doesn't want access to those? Um, and if you're looking for that special someone at home, but you don't want to have a dangerous attack dog, you can still get a Mercy attack dog, which are beagles. They sniff a lot and they'll sniff a stranger a lot, which is practically as good. Do you want access to all these things? Just join the club, which tens of others have already figured out how to do. And uh, you can find there's two-page ad, Eddie, in the February issue of Nutfruit Magazine. Hopefully you're still interested in uh, Frank Castle's entire line of Mercy products for this yearly membership. Uh, on second thought, this is not something I would be interested in. Well, Eddie, I'm not going to... Uh, try to force these things on you because you know i we've learned after 150 podcasts that you're just you're only going to buy a couple things there's, there's been one or two in there come sure. on now. yeah I, I believe i believe recently you told me that you'd be willing to listen to the podcast about breaking old people out of prison so you never really know what what floats your boat eddie uh if people wanted to reach out and tell us that they do like this particular sponsor uh how could they reach us uh you can email us anytime at let's read spiderman at gmail.com or you could message us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. I'm Eddie, joined by... James B. And remember, listeners, if the Punisher thinks you are a criminal, tell him you have a special deal with Spider-Man and he'll leave you alone forever. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Eddie, they made a reference to Milky Way bars. Uh, and they were saying, like, when the kids were taking the drugs from April, May. Oh, uh, yeah. She's something yes. like, you know, these kids are into these things like Milky Way bars. I got to tell you, Eddie, <laughs> Milky Way bars is my favorite candy bar. And I'm a child of this generation. But I'll tell you, there aren't kids these days who, when I ask them to name their favorite candy bar, say Milky Ways. Uh, no, I would say Milky Ways are not my favorite. But maybe you got a Milky Way bar with a little something special back in the day, James B. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that... Today, kids would say, like, Twix or Snickers. Or I'm saying, like, back then, Milky Way was the hot candy bar, is what I'm saying. And I'm like, it's it's still my, like, that's the one they went to go with. You're like, you know, while kids are eating these things like Milky Way bars, like, today people would be like, Milky Way bars, like, they're, you know, they're they're better than Three Musketeer bars. That's about it. You know what I mean? So I love them. Yeah, pretty low on the list of Halloween candy that gets consumed in my household.